Coach T's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It breaks down in detail his SEA of Success program and its applications in 10 key development areas. The program applies Coach T's three key components, simplicity, effort, and attitude. It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon, available in paperback and hardback. My guest today is a person dedicated to the development of people. He's a graduate of Mississippi State University, where he obtained a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in counseling education. He's also a graduate of Mississippi College, where he obtained his doctorate in professional counseling. He currently lives in Gatlin, Tennessee, is the co-founder and chief innovation officer for iProgress LLC in Jackson, Mississippi. He is a licensed professional counselor, specializing in areas of digital well-being, innovation, life purpose, personal and professional growth. He previously worked with adolescent offenders, children with mental health disorders in middle school, high school, as well as college-age students. He supervised mental health students who sought to become licensed professional counselors counselors. He taught at Mississippi College as a clinical professor in the Doctorate of Professional Counseling program. He also conducted presentations and workshops concerning mental health awareness, mentorship, personal growth, personal professional growth, and life purpose. He is a life excavator who aids people to uncover the buried potential that life circumstances and events have hidden. He writes a blog on Medium, giving the voices to those in a path to their purpose, and that is medium.com at Life Excavator. Please help me welcome Dr. Terrence Johnson to Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. How you doing, Dr. Johnson? <laughs> thank, thank you so much for the bio. Look, I'm, I'm listening there like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I will follow <laughs> Now, I, I, I appreciate you having me on today, and like I said, I, I appreciate uh, the platform that you're building and, and what you're doing as well, so. I appreciate yeah. it. No, that's a quite an impressive bio. Like I said, I had received it when you sent it to me, but when you read it and you start going through, I'm gonna tell you what stood out, what stood out to me as I read that. Uh-huh. You are a man of deep compassion, you know, because to do all those things, you have got to have a heart of gold, number one. And you also have to recognize the pain that people go through. And you have to be willing to take the time and have the patience to connect with those people to help them overcome. Correct. Right. Uh, definitely. And I, and I think too what and somebody asked me about it, I think maybe a week or so ago. And they asked me kind of like what it what it was to kind of be a therapist, that whole experience. And I said, well, you know, being in a in a mental health field, it gives you a glimpse into the real world. And a lot of people, what they see on TV and media and stuff, they think that's the real world. But I've been able to go into people's houses and talk to the mothers and see kids go to, you know, youth court and get locked up or whatever, or had clients that had real serious mental health issues or traumas or losing a loved one. So you see people at their most vulnerable, but you also see people at their most resilient too. And that's one of the things that you get. You really get to see people without all the filters and the social media kind of building people up. You get people at their rawest. And, and that's something that, you know, even, even if somebody's coming to me for help, 
it also encourages me because some people might be going through things I've never gone through and they're still moving forward their life. And it's like, oh, well, okay, if they can go through that, oh, I can keep going for what I got going on. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, that last part kind of makes you really take a step, take a second step back and go, I think I got, I'm going through a tough time. And, you know, your reference to TV, yeah, we already know they, they build and make it look good. Right. You know, and the reality is not truly being shown. Right. And you have been in being put in position where you're put in positions where you have to see the ultimate bottom for some people as they start to work themselves out and recognizing what it is they have to work out of because sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's finding out what it is that has them in that position right because some people don't always know right and that, I'm, I'm glad you made that point because awareness is a big piece and so a lot of people they think about mental health as being somebody that has a diagnosis Mental health more has more to do with your just everyday state. Now, uh, a, a diagnosis has to do with the symptoms and things that are something that's more like intensive. But like I said, you might not have a diagnosis, but you might have, you might be in a phase in your life where you're just not happy. And you not being aware of that makes you start to seek out other ways to deal with that that might not be healthy. So that's not necessarily like a mental health diagnosis, but like, I just don't like where I am, or I don't like my job, or, oh, I wish I would have did this back, you know, when I was younger, I'm getting older now, I feel like I'm running out of time. And so people are in these phases of life changes that sometimes makes them feel like, hey, I don't know what I want to do or what I need to do. And that's still an issue as well. And it might not be a clinical diagnosis, but people go through those everyday struggles as well. Right. And I think that you, the everyday struggles that people go through, it's like a roller coaster. Right. I mean, I know I go through them. I'm like, right. some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I got all this stuff. It's like when we first started, hey, I said, it. oh, I got a lot of great stuff going. Then there's other days like, oh, I got to do this. And yeah. if you don't know how to approach it and kind of get yourself out of it, you could dig yourself into a deeper Oh, right. 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 And, and I think it's just having conversations, one, but two, it's, it's looking at yourself as more of a human being instead of, and that's, you have, you know, human doing versus human being. We do a lot of stuff. We talk about what we do, but we don't really focus on being a person and just being, not having to achieve something, accomplish something to make ourselves feel good. Because that's what I know. I used to be in that trap. I used to be a workaholic. I, I've been in the hospital because of it. Like I, I've had an emergency appendectomy before because I just overworked myself uh, and all various other things. But it's because I was so focused on the next thing and, and you know, the next achievement of, you know, getting this degree, getting this certification. And you just don't give your, your whole body a chance to stop and just like, okay. What's going on with me right now? And being more aware of that and more aware of how your life is affecting you in various areas. Because that's one thing I had to learn is most people think mental health is just your thoughts, your behaviors, but it's your physical. You know, are you sleeping? Are you eating right? Are you getting exercise? Are you getting out, out the house? You know, and then you have your mental, your emotional but also you had your spiritual and they can look different for different people, but that's a component too. Are you connected to something that's bigger than yourself? Uh, but also relationally. So do you have people around you that are good supports for you? Are they 
are they grounding you or are they taking energy away from you or are they trying to manipulate you or whatever so those are pulls too on us and then you have your environment and you have the different you know arenas that you're in during your day so like i said for you you do a lot of stuff with kids so you might be in gyms or you know at schools or whatever that's an environment that takes energy to do that you have home that's an environment you like you have church you have so each one of these spaces make you feel a certain way so like if you're always in rooms or environments that's taking energy away from you how do you replenish that place that yeah balance it out and so it's like when you look at your, your your whole body that way in a holistic way when you feel like oh why am i so tired why am I? it's like as you go through those different levels of awareness it's like okay well maybe i'm not eating right or i haven't been sleeping good or look hey i've got people around me been stressing me out i might need to connect with some new people you know so it's like all these different things and then like i said what we do for you know work or our passion or whatever yeah, like you said, it could be something that we're really passionate about, but then it also drains us too. So it can't really fulfill us totally. It's part of it, but it's one piece of multiple components. So I need to give you two examples of what you just described and for, for me. So you yeah. mentioned yourself, you were in a hospital. I worked myself to a point where I was still trying to go to work, but I physically couldn't go. And I kept calling, I'll be there, I'll be there. Next thing I know, I'm in a hospital mm-hmm. having a stress test. Mm-hmm. I had swelling around my heart, overworking myself, not eating right, not sleeping, yep. workaholic, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, fast forward to now, what I do now, you just described, I'm in a gym, I'm in schools and stuff. When I walk in a gym, I feel like I'm 18 yep. because I'm around those kids and they just, that adrenaline is what gets, keeps me going because that's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. And when I get home, my wife knows, she goes, you're going to feel it. About two hours after I get home, I can't move. Yep. And what am I doing to replenish that? So I started giving myself a recovery day because mm-hmm. my mind is, yeah, I want to do it. But my mind's like, hey, you're not 18. You're not 21 anymore. Right. And you have to, you know, you got to kind of control your energy level and you got to make it sustain the entire day. You can't just go crazy all day. You got to go up. You got to conserve energy throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I'm working on now, because, again, I'm, I'm still guilty of it. I still let the kids just suck all my energy out because I love it. That's yeah. what I do. And that's why I'm doing what I do. But at the same time, you're, you make a valid point. I still have to regulate my time, my energy and take care of my body. And that's one of the things that I'm working on. And so I appreciate you sharing that. But it also I want to get right into asking you about the mental as mental health aspect of with. Uh, middle schoolers and high schools specifically. And I say that because for me, this is going to be a great educational opportunity for me because I work with a lot of those kids, but it's also recognizing and understanding things that I think I see versus things that I know I see. Yeah. One thing, and what I, what I did when I was working in school with like middle school, high school, I tried to, so what I used to, what I created was my own, like a uh, dictionary of vocabulary word list because you know the kids always have different slang words you're like what did that mean and so i ask questions like okay well, you just said what did that mean okay let me write that down hold say that because <laughs> i need i need to know what they talking about so i understand so they'll be having conversations i can pick up on things because i might not use that language 
because they're going to use that language. And so I need to know what that is. And, and, and as far as like what uh, what apps are they using? What kind of things are they getting on the Internet? Like you need if you're working with kids, especially like middle school, high school, you need to know all of that because a lot of the stuff that comes to school happens outside of the school right. is from text messages, Snapchat, Instagram, all these different things that they own. So you need to know that because a lot of, you know, especially fights, conflict, most of that that happened at school did not start at school. It happened at home on the computer, on the iPad or whatever. Somebody screenshotted something, spread it around. So that's one thing. The other thing that I, I learned was not to expect them to act or react in the way I was taught because they might not have been taught that way or had people to teach them that. So like for you, this thing that just common sense, you're like, you should know better. They don't really know better. They don't. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they don't. And once you can get past that point, then you it that's why that's how you get into the old teachable moments because a lot of things you either have to model to them or to kind of redirect as you see it because they just know what they see or what they heard or whatever, they might not have a strong support system at the house. And like I said, you know, just like I know, they probably don't have two parents at the house. Right. Uh, they might not have another male figure in the house or a positive one. So so a lot of that, especially with, with young, young men, that like, oh, you're not my dad or I'm not going to listen to you or that authority figure, that kind of, that kind of um, like adverse reaction to that. It's not necessarily you, it's because they not used to that. And they you not used to a man speaking to them a certain way and being like, hey, this is what you need to do. I'm like, I ain't gotta, you know, they kind of get attitude and stuff like that. Right. But once they understand, like, I'm trying to prepare you because as you get older, everybody not gonna be there to listen to you like I'm listening to you. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. People not gonna give you the benefit of the doubt as you get older. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like trying to do those things but one thing I will say as far as mental health with middle and high school they had to go through a lot more even a lot more than what I had to go through because I was I came up right around like I'm I just <laughs> I just found out not only am I a millennial, but I'm a geriatric millennial. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm an old millennial. <laughs> but so I grew up around computers. So even when I was little, we start, we had the floppy disk computer. You, you remember the IBM? Yeah. Uh, oh, got, I know that. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, that well. Yeah. Yeah, see, see, everybody don't know about that. They don't know about that. But so I kind of had that experience. For them, they know, you know, they've had iPads and cell phones all their life. They've been on technology all their life. So conflict and communication are things that they don't know how to do in real time. They know how to do it on the phone, but they don't know how to communicate verbally. And that's one of the biggest issues that you'll see play out. Like, why, why didn't you just ask your teacher just if you could go? You know, it's like little things like that. They had to be taught how to do that because they don't have those mechanisms because they don't really have to do that. You know, we used to go outside and play. They don't have to do that. You know? They don't do that. Yeah, they don't <laughs> do that. And, and so a lot of that, that kind of um, those interactions with people that you learn how to deal with conflict and work with other people, they don't have to do that. So they really have to learn those things. But it's 
it's not to minimize what they're going through because one thing for them that you know for you be it, it could be them dating somebody break up or whatever you say like you're gonna date, you're gonna find somebody it'll be all right for them it might be a major thing grades or expectation from their parents can be major thing or them trying to figure out what they want to do in life can be major thing um you know you had the cyberbullying so you had that that's a lot removed from the school setting it's all online so it's a lot of things that they hear see get sent that parents might not know about school you know might not know about people that's working with them might not know about and so it's a lot of unknown variables that if you're not plugged into what they're plugged into it's a lot of stuff you'll miss that uh last part we're talking about uh you know, going through like relationships, stuff like that. Let me give you an example of my time versus this time. You just described, you know, what happens now. You know, you see somebody and you, you, know, you don't, you know, you'll find somebody else, you know, whatever. I remember going through girl issues, right? Mm-hmm. My father was overseas at the time. I wrote him a letter, you know, kind of explaining kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. What he replied back, not like, hey, so I was going, whatever. He gave me advice on what mm-hmm. to expect. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be honest, I'll tell you what he said. He goes, son, do you think just because you got a car and a job that, you know, girls just don't come blocking? He goes, you have to respect women and show them who you are and then let them see you for who you are. If they like you, they like you. If they don't, you move on. Mm-hmm. But don't expect having material things is going to, you know, kind of make that. I use that as an example of the difference between how something is shared mm-hmm. and understood as a teenager versus, just kind of blow it off yep. or electronically if it's a text or it's through another social media platform. Uh, that's how it's communicated. And the other point about the interaction, the in-person interaction, there's so little of that to your mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. that you're right. They don't know how to communicate and no fault through no fault of their own. And that's I say right. that because the school system is set up to be electronic. And this is your homework. So mm-hmm. there's less communication with a teacher, right? The kids, they, help, they tell me, I don't like my teacher. Why does she like teaching? She don't know how to teach. Well, how do you know she doesn't teach? Because she doesn't know how to communicate with us. Kids are telling me that their teachers don't know how to communicate with them because it goes back to what you said earlier, what you did, taking notes, mm-hmm. and out, hey, this is how we communicate. This is how we learn. Mm-hmm. Nobody's stopping to ask them, hey, oh, this is how you learn now. So this is how we need to teach you. So mm-hmm. it's easier for you to learn. Yeah, that's what I've gathered from conversations I've had with uh, some of the middle school and high school kids that I work with. Yeah. And, and like uh, to your point, their attention spans, like I said, kids, attention spans are short anyway. But now that they're so like plugged into everything and they're just kind of stimulated by so much stuff, you have to engage them. So getting on the board and just talking through stuff is not going to get them. It, it's not. And it, it's not just them. Like I said, I, I was teaching adult students, and I still had to do stuff to kind of keep them engaged. And I knew I had about an hour window past that. They're going to fade out, and they're just going to have a glare on their face. It's just going to be sitting there like, okay, I, I see you and checked out. Let me go ahead and just wrap it up because I'm not right. going to keep teaching. If you, you just go on. You're not even hearing what I'm saying anymore. And that's the thing. It's the balance of – Yes, you're there to teach and instruct, but also you have to know how to frame it in a language that works for them. The same thing for me, I was taught, you know, uh, we had like our 
class where we learn how to be a therapist and we had the mock sessions and all that kind of stuff and so you have certain techniques certain like formulas like okay when you ask a question you do this and you listen and you observe and da 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 and I I never forget I had a I had a uh, one of my clients at the alternative school so that's that's why I started kids at the alternative school youth court all that those were my kids when I started and uh, I had asked a question and I was sitting he was talking and I'm up here looking and I'm thinking in my head like okay okay what question do I need to ask next like okay this is what he's talking about and he said hey he said uh are you trying to figure out like what you're gonna ask me next? You know what I'm saying? Like just bust me out just like that. I'm what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh man, he got me. He saw it. And, you know, and after that, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to do what I do, but in their language, in the way that fits me, and it is gonna reach them. So I had to pretty much forget all of what I was taught and figure out, like, okay. How do I reach the people that I'm working with? What works for them? Because what the book told me and my professor told me was going to work when I got here in the field, it's not working for them. They're not trying to hear all that and trying to hear all these terms and all that. They want real simplistic. Okay, this is what's going on with me. This is, you know, what you can do. This is how you can improve those things. But they really just wanted people that would be there and listen and really try and understand their viewpoint. because. For me, I had all the kids that nobody wanted. You know, the one that kept getting in trouble, had got kicked out before, all that. And I didn't have problems with them. And they were like, what do you do? Yeah, especially when I got into high school, I remember the people in the office used to be just yelling at kids and just, just all, it was just craziness. And they would just see me. After a while, I would go get my kids from the office, take them to my Often bring them back up. And I was like, I don't never see you yelling at them. And you don't like you don't be upset with them. And they enjoy you. They always be calling, trying to come to your office and all that. Like, what do you do? I said, you just gotta talk to them and just treat them like human beings. <laughs> like a human being. And yeah, you might not like what they do or say they might be cussing some cussing people out. They might be trying to fight. But one thing I learned, and that that's this my this always been my philosophy at the core. It's not what people do, it's why they do what they do. If you can find the why, you'll understand the what. I don't care about what they do. I want to know why they do. They do. Yeah. If I can find the why, then we can work with the what, because all that is just diversion, because you might they might want attention, or they just might be upset that day. Something might happen before they came to school, that they're in a bad mood. You just got to find the why. Well, you talk, the word simplicity, you mentioned simple. To me, that is, for me, it's the foundation of how I coach and how I teach Mm -hmm. is to keep the process simple. You can connect with kids faster if you don't try to make them overthink anything. And to your point earlier, it's how they receive information. Everything is instant gratification, instant gratification, instant notification, instant notification. Everything is quick and easy. Mm -hmm. goes back to the word simple. Keep things simple for them. And what I loved about your example about at the alternative school, get called you out on your process (laughs) again that's the innovative part as counselors therapists coaches that's the part of what for me is so great about it because we continue to get better with every person we come in contact with Mm -hmm. because 
what they didn't teach you that in school. Right? People might call you out on you got to figure another way. You got to be the therapist that you are. Mm-hmm. And there you have your way. Yeah, what you learn in school, that kind of gives you the groundwork, but it's all going to be you based on how you work with kids. And the example about how the kids reacted to you versus mm-hmm. the people in the office, you respected them. Mm-hmm. You took time to listen. Yeah. And this the frustration that some adults have with middle schoolers and high schools. All they're doing is perpetuating the inevitable that things are going to continue to get worse. Mm-hmm. And it's all about disciplinary issues. And those disciplinary issues come back to the question you were talking about is why, mm-hmm. not what disciplinary acts or issues you're having. We know you have them. Every school has them. Yep. It all comes back to why you have them. Is it school-wide or mm-hmm. is it just one little particular group? If it's school-wide, then you got to, obviously we know it starts at the top, but right. otherwise it gets, you're absolutely right. It comes back to the why, not the what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like I said, it for me, it also challenged me to grow because you know I was it, when I was when I started my first job, I think I was twenty four, five, something like that. Probably younger, than, <laughs> probably no, probably about twenty two, twenty three, really. Yeah. When I when I first first started my first job, and so I was like, they're not gonna respect me because I I will have to go. I would do home visits. I started off doing home visits. So I had to go to the house during the school year. And then in the summer, we would pretty much solely do home visits. So I'd be in the home all day, every day. Different kids' houses, talk to mamas, grandmamas, aunts, all of that. That, That's kind of where I was at. (laughs) That's what I did. And so, so when you actually go into somebody's house, then you really get a lot more answers to what you really trying to figure out or try and really conceptualize a person. Like if you can go into that home environment and see how that operates, then you'll see like, okay, I know exactly why they act like this at school. Or, okay, I see how mom or I see the environment or I see how the siblings, they interact or whatever. And you can see how it translates. Because sometimes a student can be like disruptive in school and be fine at home and then vice versa. <laughs> right. So, so like when you had that other piece, it really helps. Or if you have a good, a good uh, dialogue or good communication with parents, then it helps you figure out the pieces that you won't get from the kid. Because the kid will tell you something and then you talk to the parent and it's like, okay, well, somebody, let's see if we can kind of balance these stories out because somebody not telling the truth somewhere. And, and, and what did they look like? And and even for me, you know, even though I I was a therapist for a number of years in the school setting, you know, I was a youth leader at church too. So I was a Sunday school teacher. So I teenagers, middle school, high school, I've seen them in all environments. Yeah. So I've had them all kind of in, in different settings. And like it's, it's always when they know you're going to show up and they know you're dependable, especially with the parents too, if they feel like they can trust you with their kids, they know you're going to try and tell them something that's right and you're going to hold them to a certain kind of standard, then that's what they're looking for too. Because, you know, the parents need help too. Uh, and they might not always want to say that, or ask for that, <laughs> but but they might need some help too. And sometimes is you 
figuring out like, okay, well, mama need help with this. Or, hey, you think about putting them in something else or some kind of, like, hey, this is an activity they might want to be a part of that'll help. So you try and give a piece of what they missing. They might not have to spend money for it, but then you can see it's like, okay, it's a gap somewhere. It's somewhere that something can be implemented that'll better the kid. And sometimes it might be something just for the parent. They might need some other things or they own, you know, mental health, you know, help as well. You gave an example just a second ago that I relate to 100%. When you talk about parents need help, sometimes they don't know how or they don't want you to know they need help. Yeah. I had a situation where um, a parent needed help and it was indirectly asked to help. And I will even say non-verbally. And mm-hmm. I say non-verbal because she knew how I interacted with her child. Mm-hmm. So she knew that I'm straightforward and I'm not going to tell her what she needs to hear is, is what I'm going to tell her what she needs to hear, not what she wants to hear. Right. So started conversation. Mom sat down, just kind of let me kind of go. Felt like I was in your shoes. <laughs> really, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally can understand what you're saying. That's why I'm sharing this example mm-hmm. of you coming in between and you're like, oh, he he's kind of getting that. So I'm going to let him take the lead on that. And it also, while he's taking the lead, he's also supporting me. So when I get back home, I can kind of pick up where he left off. Mm-hmm. Now we're building the foundation. And that kind of seemed like that's, a lot of what you do, but different levels of that. Mm-hmm. Fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so for me, I've learned that I've always known that I wanted to help people. Um, and naturally, people do, has, have felt comfortable talking to me all my life. Even when I was younger, people just come and talk to me. <laughs> so I don't know what about me just say, hey, come talk to me, but they do that. Uh, but it's, 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 it's morphed and changed over time. So it was really, it was me doing more direct stuff in the community for a while. And I was doing, you know, stuff at the church, I was doing mentorship, whatever. And then it started to transition into more like training people that wanted to become therapists and really giving them the tools that I wish I would have had when I started off that. So then they wouldn't bump their head and do some of the things that I did. You went through, right. Yeah, when I came through. And so then it went from, you know, supervising and then teaching and I will, you know, talk for a number of years. And then I got to a point where, okay, I want to be able to reach more people. And so where I'm at now is, okay, how can I take all these different experiences and these learned lessons and then start to construct them in a way that I can help more people, but not necessarily have to do one-on-one work so much. So like trainers, workshops. So now I've been shaping those and crafting those into like workshops and courses or whatever that people can get into. So then I can reach more people, but I won't have to be limited by just one-on-one sessions. Because like I said, you know, when you're working one-on-one with somebody, you have to really give a, a lot more energy. And then you might want to, you might want to reach and uh, talk to 50, 100 more kids. But it's like, okay, I, I, I'm kind of boxed in because I got to do trying to make sure all this go through. So for me, that's how that's how I've been looking at it now. It's like, how can I expand the reach and really give people things and tools? So not necessarily because everybody doesn't need direct help. Some people just need the tools or identify what they do best. Yeah. You just described you just described what I was going to ask. You just answered the question I was going to ask you is (laughs) and that is you're right. I mean. 
when you work with somebody one-on-one, you give them a hundred percent of who you are, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if you give it a hundred percent to this person and you have somebody else reaching out to you, you can't give that other person that amount. Right. That's an internal battle I have because I'm a lot like you easy to approach. Mm-hmm. And when I talk with somebody, I give them a hundred percent of who I am. They have my undivided attention. Right. My struggle is, will you lose that, uh, your value with people by spreading yourself by doing like the groups. That's mm-hmm. the the transition I'm going through. Cause I'm with, I'm like, I understand what you're saying. I want to reach more people, right. you know, make more of an impact. And I know I do that better in a group setting than I ever would in a one-on-one cause not enough hours in a day, not enough days in a month, not enough days right. in a year right. to do that. Right. So that's right. A, a transitional thing that I'm working on. And it really is about internalizing, understanding that's what I have to do. I still can, you know, achieve the same goal, mm-hmm. but I just have to think differently how I do it. And that's what you basically describe how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know, like I said, I know me and, and like I said, it sounds like you the same way. I don't know how to do some halfway. Either Thank I'm you. all in <laughs> or yeah. not to do it. And so I just know myself and I know it's like if I, if I get, if I get a, a whole case load or a client load of 25, 30 people, I will spend so much time because it's not only just preparing for that session, you preparing stuff that they might have talked about the week before. You pulling stuff, you researching stuff, you doing that kind of stuff. All that goes into it. You keeping track of stores and what happened with this and school and parents and you know all that kind of stuff. So you have all these storylines continuously running through your head every day depending on who you're working with what the issues are because when you get back in front of him you're like okay all right this okay this little johnny here okay all right i remember his mama said this oh he had a test hey what you make on that test uh, the other day did you study for or whatever like that okay cool and so you're trying to keep all these things organized with everything else you got going yeah. on and it's and it's a lot and a lot of people don't understand that about doing direct work it's not the hour or whatever that you spend in front of somebody it's the hours before and after because you still wrapped up in their world even if they're not around you you still thinking about them you might say like oh they went on a trip or whatever i hope they got back say okay monday when they come back let me ask them what you know so all these different things that you keep in track of and for me it was it's kind of like setting healthy boundaries with myself because I know if I start, I will keep rolling. Or for me, the way I'm framing it now is if I'm doing something more direct, it's something that's not mental health related. It's more like consulting or like uh, people that might want to do like what you were saying. They might want to figure out how to do online courses or something like that or frame their idea those are things that don't require me to expend energy that it that like invigorates me because that's a different energy but if i'm directly helping somebody that's going to take energy away from me because i need to because what i usually do if i'm working with somebody i step into their world and try and see it through their eyes and then tell them the experience that they might be avoiding or they're not dealing with. And then I'll say something like, how did you, what did you, how did you just say that? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm trying to step into what they feeling. And then 
talk to them about how that might feel to them. Right. They might not have the words for that. So I'm trying to give them words back to their experience that they might not know. I was putting all that into context as you're describing it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're right. When you start really breaking it down, that's a lot of time. And that's you right. can't do that with everybody. So, uh-huh. you know, I told you in the beginning, this is going to be educational for me, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so just that part right there is a big part I take out of it because I got a firsthand experience of how much time with one person when you because sometimes you have to hear it. Just like yeah. you just said, people, you got to hear it to truly understand it. So mm-hmm. you better not send me a bill for this session. <laughs> no, you ain't you, paying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. you, you <laughs> I I enjoy to talk about because, like I say, I for me, I try and make you know mental health talks multidimensional because I think the way a lot of people address them or in a way that is not a positive energy it's real heavy and negative and and so focus on what's wrong so for me i like to have real practical conversations about everyday life situations because i can get on here and, and talk about stuff and use terms that i learned and all that but you want to connect to it. I really want to connect to it. The listener really want to connect to it because they couldn't see themselves in it. And so I try and always use examples and words that people can like, oh, that's me. Yep. Okay. Yep. I do that too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm talking from my experience. So I do it too. So I had to make sure I'm balanced and I'm working on all things too. And I think it's a more human way to, to think of things because a lot of people think that, oh, I'm a therapist, so I did these kind of things or whatever I got. You have your doctorate. Yeah, like, oh, I'm, I'm some, like, superhuman person. I'm a part, I'm a human, too. Like, I like to laugh. I like to have fun. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 it's to show that you don't have to be so serious and stuff. Even if you talk about serious issues and things that's going on, you can do it in a way that, that makes people feel empowered. And that's my thing. That, that's, that's my word for, uh, for 2022, empowered. So that's what I've been focused on. Everything I do this year, I want to empower people. I don't want to necessarily help people. I want to empower them. Helping is different. And all of us need help at certain points, but help is a different energy than empower. If I'm empowering people, I'm helping them or showing them how to do things on their own and the strength that they already have. If I'm helping somebody, I'm saying that they in need or they're in a a situation where they can't really do for themselves right now. And I have to help pick them up. That's a different energy. And so, yeah. 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 That word empowerment. That's my word too, because that's what I would do. Empower kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hear people say help. You hear that so much. Doesn't have much meaning. Yeah. But when you say you're empowering people, that means you're taking action for them to take action. Right. 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 So, I think you stole my word. That was my word. <laughs> well, look, we when can say that. We can no, make no, no, no. I, when did you when did you decide in 20? It's only what is this May 16th? When did you decide to use the word empowerment? Was it this year or last year? No, it was January when I you like oh, no, I'm, no, I'm on, I got you, man. That's my word. I started in November last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
all right. It's, it's all right. We can share. We can share. We can share. But no, I, I really do. I love that. That word is so, it is a powerful word. Yeah. I mean, the word power is in there. You know, you're powering people. And, um, you know, we've gone for like 45 minutes. It's crazy. And you haven't shared a story. I want you to share a couple of stories okay. and experiences that you've had, because I think it's relevant. And yeah. before you tell them, I also want to acknowledge you are absolutely right about understanding, finding your way of doing what you do and how you share it and convey it. You've used no technical terms to totally yeah. confuse me. You talked yeah. on a level that I can understand. I know our listeners could understand. You talked yeah. on a level that people can relate to and like say, I've did it a few times, as you said. That's why I was able to tell you stories because I could relate to what you were talking about. Um, yeah. So I know you're very good at what you do. So I just wanted to put that in there. But please share a couple of stories with us, if you would. Yeah. So I'll share one. And this was one of my most difficult uh, situations while I was at the high school. Um, I was at uh, Aberdeen High School. Uh, so that's that's in Mississippi. That's kind of around the Starkville, West Point, kind of, they call it the Golden Triangle area. So everything is kind of included in that. And um, I had one of my students, I was, I was in my office. So the school counselor, I went to school with her too. We all graduated from the same program. So everybody kind of knew my students that were on my caseload. So they were like, hey, you know, something went on, they would give me a call, like, hey, you know, she would, she would have a, she would always say, like, hey, your boy or your girl up here. And I kind of knew I had about two or three dollars to get in trouble. So I already knew who them were uh, when she said that. She's like, hey, you know, you, your boy up here today. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to your office. And so I got in there and he was like crying. He was just crying. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, what? What is going on? I was trying to ask him questions and he wasn't answering and all that kind of stuff. She was trying to answer, ask questions. And so I got a call from one of my mothers, uh, one of the one of my other students' mom. And so I stepped out into the hallway right outside the door to kind of just answer her call. Before I, I could turn around, he had like got up, ran out that door of her office and was sprinting through the hallway. So I'm on my phone. I think I had my Blackberry back then. <laughs> so I'm on my phone and I'm like, hey, can I call you back? And I'm like, oh, and I just see him like running. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like I had to make a decision. Like, okay, do I go and run after him? I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm in like a button-up shirt, slack. I had my loafers on and I'm running after him. Running. So the high school was on the hill. So he had got through the double door and I tried to reach out to him, like try and grab his shirt. And I and either I missed it or no, he had a jacket on. I reached out for that and the jacket, his jacket came off. He had like a, just like a long sleeve shirt like this on under. And so I'm like, oh man. So he running and it was coming. The high, high school's on the hill and he was going down. It flattened out to the street. So I'm like, oh, he about to run into traffic. I'm like, oh. No, like, oh no. <laughs> so I'm running and running and just, whew, just going and trying to chase after him, whatever, like that. And after a while, he kind of slowed down because he had a head start on me. He he, he would have made it to the street. And I'm like, I don't know if he's trying to run in the traffic. I don't know what's going on. And so by that time, a crowd started to form around like 
the doors up there back toward the hill. So like some trees over to the side. So I try to maneuver them over there so it wouldn't be a whole lot of eyes on us. I'm like, like what's going on? Like just talk to I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he just going and just, and so he just destroyed his brother started to come. He had an older brother there. His older brother started to come by. And he like, what, what's going on? I said, I don't know, just just chill out. Let me just figure out what's going on. And he really wasn't talking a whole, whole lot. And then I got with the school counselor. So what happened, he was he was dating this girl. Um, she was an upperclassman. He was a freshman. I think she was a junior or something. I think he had found out she had cheated or something like that or whatever. So he got real distraught about that. So that's what caused the run. And I knew he had already had some things going on with him anyway. I was working with the mom and all that kind of stuff. So we got back up there and uh, we had a meeting. So his mom came, the principal, me, school counselor, all of us met. And, and, you know, I was just saying like, hey, you might just need to take him home. Just kind of give him some rest or whatever like that. And she was like, well, he, and I'll never forget this. I must have gave her a look at she said it too. She was like, well, you know, if he wanted to go uh and kill himself he could have you know he had to do all this whatever like this i gave a look like did you really just say that now in front of all these people did you just say that so fast forward a couple of days that he came back and i asked him you know we just did a follow-up session after we had you know we had to do some you know documentation do all that kind of stuff with everybody the principal and all that and so came back to him I said well he needs to you know the recommendation for him to go home we watch he come back to me when he gets back to you know the school I think he had to see our doctor too or whatever it was like a couple different steps he had to do I said when he comes back he needs to come right to my office he need to meet with me first and so I met with him I said I said man I said what made you stop because you were you you were ahead of me like you would have made it wherever you're trying to go he was like, I didn't know anybody else would run after me. And when he said that, I was like, wow. You know, so I was like, oh. You know how you had some of them days where you like, you you real, you, you know, some days you'd be real stressed out. Like, I don't know if what I'm doing matters to anybody or like people care about what I'm trying to do or whatever. That day was like, okay, no, this is real. Like, I'm really doing something you know what i'm saying for him to say that because because he was like i didn't i didn't know somebody else would come come for me like really check on me really that's what he was saying like i didn't know somebody else would care enough to come and check on me right and yeah and it's like that stuck with me and it's a quote and i use a lot with my students especially like other therapists and it's a quote that says you know as a therapist you might have many clients but your client only has one therapist. Yeah. So for what they get from you, it means a whole lot more than what you ever know. Now you might have 50 other people. Like I said, with you, you might have 50 other kids you're dealing with. Right. But for that kid, it's you. Yeah. Just you. And, and that's one thing that stuck with me. It just really stuck with me. It's like, okay, what I'm doing, it really matters. It, yeah, this bumps over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I can yeah. I feel yeah. that story. I feel that story. Yeah, That's yeah, powerful yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Did sometimes kids just need to know somebody cares that much? 
Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that was his whole thing was, hey, you cared enough to run after me? Yeah. In your loafers, in your shirt? And I was running, I was going, <laughs> and they, from that point on, they called me track star. They were track star, track star. But I was, I was getting out, so ooh, I, I'm trying to get to him. I'm trying to get to him. I'm trying. Now, look, I'm going to ask you a tough, don't lie to me. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't lie to me. How okay. winded were you when you stopped running? Were you I was tired. Out? I was running. Thank you, Lord. I was like, ooh. I was like, ooh. I was like if I was doing this, I would give I would have had some real shoes, some real running shoes in the truck. If I was doing that. I, I asked you that question because remember early on in this conversation, we talked about how they glorify stuff on TV. You know, yeah. they show the, the high speed chase or the running, the cop like an all the order. They're not tired. Oh, they tired. I was tired. I was tired. Yeah, I, I was tired. I, I, it, was a, it was a day. That was a whole uh, day. That day. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, it's funny, but it's a great story. And the whole, you told that whole story to get to that one part, and that was perfect ending to that is what he said and yeah. that's gonna stick with me for a while because i mean I'm, I'm i pictured as you as you described it as i'm sure when our listeners listen to this they're going to do the same thing that's how i pictured everything you described in that yeah you know you on the phone deciding whether to stay on the phone or go after him it's like well think about it what if you had stayed on the phone yeah right? yeah yeah i'm thinking about what what would have happened to him. I mean, we don't know but i'm just saying yeah. it yeah. could have been totally different all the different, yeah. So that's one. That's one of those stories that always stick with me. It just, even over the years, it's always I come I come back to it every now and then. Yeah. Oh sure, it's a reminder of your why. Mm-hmm. That's a reminder of your why, and I'm I always have that. I've that one or two stories that are my whys, and it's what keeps that engine going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Dr. Johnson, and that, by the way, I didn't mention if you want me to refer to you as Terrence or Dr. Tops, uh, Johnson, but um, I know you don't care about either one because it's a conversation, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> so I'd love for you to, two things. Number one, share with our listeners how they can follow you and or get in touch with you. Okay. So the easiest way is either via email or if you're on LinkedIn, I'm, on, I'm pretty much more active on LinkedIn than anything else. So that's the easiest way to find me. Um, if they, if people enjoy reading, like I say I do, I know you mentioned my blog in, um, in the intro. So that's something that I'm really uh, passionate about too. So that's something that I've been doing all my life too, is writing, but I've been, some people, they connect in different ways. So some people might connect to what I'm saying, my words, but other people might connect through my written words. And okay. I'm still trying to convey those same stories. And it's, it's more about like a, more about my life and how it might connect or resonate with you on what you're going through. And so that's basically what what I write about. Um, and I'm doing workshops now, virtual workshops, I'm working to do in-person workshops soon. I've had about three years away from doing in-person things, you know, either teaching or workshops or conference presentations. So I'm ready to get in front of a live audience again. I'm, I'm really ready. So uh, that's something that I'm really working on. But the two things that um, I'm really focused on this year is Path to Purpose and Dream Killers. Path to Purpose is really that whole journey to what you feel like you're created to do, passionate to do. 
And uh, dream killers is really the thing internally that stop us from getting to where we want to get to. And so uh, I'm really passionate about people either getting into the workshops or the online course versions of those because that's that's pretty much my story and experiences and everything I've been talking about, like wrapped into services, content, all that kind of stuff. Now, my last question for you is uh, who the most influential person was in your life and why? <sighs> that's easy. So, well, I'll, I'll probably have a part A and B. And, okay, you can do right, both. So, so my grandfather would be my 1A. Uh, and so it's been about about 11 years since he passed but he would he's always been my example of like what a man is supposed to be so like i said my my grandfather was deacon in our church uh he was real well known in the community but even though he had like a seventh grade education i felt like he was the, the most intelligent wisest person i've ever met and so I would always, most people say I got an old soul, like, like I'm an old man and the young man, <laughs> but I, I just grew up around older people and I just listened. And I think that's a gift in itself to be around wise people and just be quiet and just listen to what they got to say. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, especially right before he passed. That's why I moved back home to Jackson. So that last year of his life, I was there and yeah. I would after church every Sunday, I would be there with my him and my grandmother, and we would just sit and talk and eat and whatever. And so I had that. And then one B would be my my dad, and my dad just passed in November. And so I think so he was somebody that um, if you if you saw him and you saw me in the same room, he's like. That's your daddy, your daddy. That's your daddy. You can't deny that. Uh, and so a lot of my, you know, creativity and all that kind of stuff, I feel like I got from him, especially like the love for music. That's one thing that I'm really big on too that a lot of people don't know about. I really love music because music can really spark conversations. So that's something that me and him used to do all the time, just sit and listen to music. Oh yeah, like introduce each other, yeah, introduce each other like different music. So you know that's why I love jazz and all that kind of stuff because of my dad. So, um, so yeah, those two, and like I said, I I lost both of them kind of like within a 10, 10, 11 year span. So my grandfather passed first, my my dad just passed in November, and so each one of them kind of shifted me into the next season of my life, and so. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was the person that shifted me more into doing more church work. So I got way more involved in church after he passed. And I started a scholarship fund in his honor. So we did a lot of, we gave a lot of scholarship money away to the kids at our church and all that. And so with my dad, I, I really feel like his message or him passing to me was, you know, to really live and enjoy life. Cause that's what he did. Um, and so that's why like work is fine, but I'm not trying to do work and work all my life. <laughs> like I said, I really want to enjoy life too. Yeah. Because you can be so focused on a goal that you'll block everything out and get tunnel vision and you just wake up. You, you've achieved a lot, but you haven't lived a lot. And I, I really want that balance. So, so yeah.
Well, I really appreciate your your time, and and this has been a phenomenal hour because we've gone an hour. I told you you had to go. go. (laughs) But you know what? That's what's so great about it. It's it's like I said, what you how you do what you do. I can see. You know, just having this conversation is our second conversation. But um, yeah, you're definitely old soul. I think, like myself, uh, your passion, compassion, uh, and understanding of people. You know, when willing to connect with people, it speaks volumes. And just a conversation today is just an extension of what I picked up from our first uh, interaction. And, and I would very much like to have you back on and because I think there's a lot more we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I could fill up some time. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, when you host this show and you don't have to say anything, man, I'm the best host in the world, man. I just turn the mic on and go, uh, Dr. Terrence Johnson, uh, to let me know when you finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with, hey, I'm good with that. Okay. It's the real world, man. Hey, listen, you're the expert, man. I'm bringing you on to educate myself and my listeners. Yeah. So really appreciate you. And I wish you all the best and continued success. And obviously we'll stay connected and, yeah. and uh, really appreciate you. And I hope you have a great rest of your week, my man. Yeah, look, I, I hope you do the same. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And just, you know, I'm glad we had the chance to connect about a month or so ago. And like I said, I really enjoyed the conversation today. So I hope it's beneficial to anybody that listened to it or whatever. Oh, trust me, it has been. And listen, if nothing else, I got more out of it. In. And by the way, like I said, you better not send me a bill because I ain't paying nothing. <laughs> you hear me? I ain't paying nothing. Okay. This is my, this is your payment right here. Exposure. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. All right, man. You take care of yourself. Hey, thank you. I'm Coach T. I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Until next time, take care. Stay connected with Coach T and Coach T's Corner on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Twitter, and TikTok.